Hi friends, Navy G here. Welcome, welcome, welcome. In this first season of the podcast, you'll hear my evolution with my relationship to the divine spirituality and love. The overall theme of the show is about becoming love instead of searching for it outside of ourselves. The episodes will be short, sweet, and to the point. This season is for you if you're a spiritual seeker on the journey of self-love, a parent, a woman, a young woman seeking advice, mentorship, maybe learning from someone else's mistakes, mine, uh, or anyone who's just curious about my past and how I became who I am today. My qualifications are learning things the hard way. Seriously. I'm also a certified health coach, yoga instructor. I have a Bachelor of Science in Communication, as well as being a dance teacher, fire performer, DJ, entrepreneur, partner, and mother. I have two online courses. One is Revive Your Essence. The other is for moms and daughters. It's called Luna Magic Method, and that's about honoring and highlighting young girls and their rite of passage into womanhood. Beautiful stuff. Send me a message if you want to know anything about those. I'd like to take this moment to thank you. I am truly honored by you listening and investing time in this show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Virtual hug kisses. If you know anyone who would like to be a sponsor, let me know because I currently don't have any. So for this episode about hardships and influence in high school, I have the Tosha Silva card hardships. Dun, dun, dun. And this is what it says. May I embrace what's happening right now as baffling or painful as it is. Help me, God, to trust where you are guiding me. I am yours. I love Tosha Silver's cards. It's all about surrendering to the divine in your life, embracing the mystery, and nothing is yours. Everything is the universe's or God's. So I just love her heart. And hopefully that card touched your heart as well. Let's get on to the show. In the first episode of this podcast, I shared about my relationship to the divine, to God, and really being raised as a Christian. And one thing that I left out that I want to touch on as I continue the story today is the Prince and Princess Disney movies, mostly Prince princess. They really are toxic. They're really toxic movies. Uh, Now in 2021, looking back at the movies I was watching in the 90s, just in general, uh, very toxic for a lot of different reasons. Definitely some of my favorite movies are extremely racist, which I had no idea as a, you know, eight-year-old, six-year-old, 10-year-old watching these movies. I didn't know any of that. And watching them, rewatching them as an adult is kind of shocking how much humanity, at least society in America, has evolved from the 90s till now. Those movies would not be able to be released. Anyways, the reason I share this is the princess, like the princess movies, almost none of the princesses had a happy family life, like a mom and a dad. A lot of them were single parents, evil parents. So there was that. There was this idea of the prince is going to come save you. And if you examine any of the movies, 
like <laughs> like let's, we'll, we'll just take one together but you can do this with any of the disney movies beauty and the beast a lot of my best friends loved beauty and the beast okay so she's this nice girl that connects with nature and animals and likes to sing and the message is if you fall in love with a toxic dude he's going to somehow magically change for you which <laughs> is not the case Anyway, you can continue that on your own time if you want, but just look at any of those 90s princess movies and you will be shocked at what the messages that are being pushed are. So anyway, I just wanted to bring that up. And also at this time when I was younger, like six, eight, 10, somewhere in there, a desire to serve really started to develop within me to serve humanity, to serve humans. Um, to serve spiritually. I wanted to be a missionary when I grew up. I wanted to have a building. I guess the vision that I have, which I can still tap into now is this building where it's me and like 20 kids <laughs> and then they're all orphans and I'm taking care of them. That type of missionary. I, it was more around service and helping children specifically, but also less fortunate individuals or people, which orphans are definitely would work in that category. So anyway, that developed in me as this desire. Like I had this natural desire to spread spirituality, which at the time was Christianity, but it's that desire to the, the, the connection to the sacred, to the spiritual, to the non-material world. I was always very connected to my intuition, to God, whatever God was, kind of changed over time in my meaning, my definition of God. Um, but spirituality and really being mindful and, and sacred about things and taking care of animals and the earth and other kids. I mean, I was the oldest of four children, so I was the second mom. And it was very natural for me to want to care for those younger than me. That's something I grew up. I grew up as a leader and I grew up as, um, and this is a, this is a homeschool family that I was grown up in, um, that I grew up in that hung out with lots of other homeschool families. And we got made fun of because we only had four children to get my vibe. So anyway, that desire to serve and lead, that was very natural and nurtured from, from a young age. And when I was in ninth grade, I had the opportunity to do something about those desires very much in line with my desires as far as helping children, because my church was linked with a orphanage in Juarez, Mexico. So we flew to El Paso, drove across the border, and I was frozen on the bus. So imagine this 14-year-old girl, play soccer all the time. So I've got probably athletic clothes on. I'm homeschooled, so I don't know anything about fashion at this point. And I look around and I see these tiny shacks of like material, wasted, like uh, leftover materials from other buildings that are creating these tiny little shelters that are homes. And I'm looking at the people in these shelters and I'm like, wow, these, this is their house and I'm American. And so I, that is when my American privilege hit me. I have, I have different privileges and the, all of us in America are very blessed, very fortunate. And that 14 years old, ninth grade, that is when it hit me. I was like, holy guacamole. <laughs> I am so spoiled and so privileged. And 
I just had, I had no idea. So that was really, that really shaped who I became in my worldview uh, was Americans are very blessed and fortunate, very privileged. And a lot, the majority, the rest of the world really does not have that much privilege. And we could break that down, but that's not really what this episode is about. Anyway, so that that is when I really, that's the beginning of me having a heart and a global mindset around service. And I loved, I loved working at the orphanage. I helped my dad on the roof and I played with the kids and it was, it was wonderful. I got called a gringo. It was great. Another thing that I wanted to mention is with the movies. So obviously there was the princess Disney movies that were pretty toxic, but as I became, you know, middle school, high school, started watching chick flicks, those were really toxic too. And I just watched the trailer to one of the most toxic movies um, of my personally for me of my uh, high school years, which was, which is a walk to remember. And I think it has Mandy Moore and Shane West. Wow. Like the, the Western culture of like toxic masculine, the way that we and we're shifting from this. This is kind of what this podcast is about. It's right. The, the rise of the divine feminine. Well, this toxic masculine energy is not being in touch with your feelings, uh, not crying. Like men aren't supposed to cry and they're not supposed to feel pain. Like this kind of like macho man BS that's totally outdated and slowly, slowly society is shifting that was not what I saw on the walk to remember. He was romantic. He was in touch with his feminine side. He like bent over backwards to do everything for her. She had a list of things she wanted to do. And he like went through and did them all. And it was super romantic. And they're in high school. And I was like, Oh, I want a man like that. Who's going to do all these romantic things. Watch the, like, look at the stars, like go, you know, stay up at night and look at the stars with me and dance in the moonlight and all these, you know, I got from a lot of movies, but especially walk to remember all these ideas about men being so in touch with their emotions and gentle. And, uh, you know, men are not like that. Most men are not like that, especially not when I was, you know, growing up in the early two thousands, late nineties, early two thousands guys were not romantic or in touch with their emotions, not too many. Right. And there's still this whole society macho masculine thing going on. So they were, you know, men are really encouraged by each other not to be effeminate. Some cultures really, the men can embrace a more effeminate way of being and it's accepted culturally, not in America. So it was interesting watching this movie and movies, chick flicks like this, you know, in the movie, they fall in love. He does everything for her. And those movies, all of the chick flicks, especially that one really messed with my mind. The subliminal messaging, the blatant messaging, uh, this, this idea. And this is where my search for love outside of myself began. I was like, oh, I need someone else to make me feel X, Y, Z, or I need someone else to dance with me in the moonlight, which like, why can't I dance in the moonlight by myself? I can. And that's what I do now. But like in high school, it was like, oh, I need, I'm searching for this love, this most important thing, right? It's like 
health, wealth, and love, right? These are the main things in life. And love was always my focus, probably still is my focus. And it was all about finding like the soulmate or the right person, you know, my match for life, like this fascination. So anyway, high school drama ensues. Uh, there, I had two best girlfriends. One wrote a letter to the other about how much, you know, all the things that were wrong with me, which of course really was damaging and damaged my relationships with women, females. I stopped really trusting my peers that were girls. I really stopped. Uh, I definitely became a little more jaded with relationships with women there was just distrust there because I had no idea that my friend was feeling all these negative things about me. I thought I was just being me and, you know, going along and doing my things, mostly sports. And, uh, because I wasn't allowed to dance. And so, yeah, it, that was very damaging for my relationship with women, which I'll probably touch on later in, in a future episode. Cause I had to heal that, but I think that's where that began. And this is where, you know, our culture, this outdated feminine way, which I think is really shifting, but the competitive and the, um, you know, like let's, let's duke it out and fight for the men. I think actually that was actually what it was about. Cause this one friend liked this guy and this, and I was good at sports and he was good at sports. And so we like played on the soccer team together and we're, comrades. Uh, I thought we were buddies. I wasn't attracted to him. I was attracted to other people, but I thought, you know, he was my, like, I needed him on the field because <laughs> he would get stuff done. He would put the soccer ball in the net. And so I had no idea that she had these feelings of jealousy or um, anything. So it was, it was very shocking. And, and then this just goes to show you how much your friend, friends do influence you, uh, you know, friend influence, and I'd also like to add to that song influence, right? Movie. So we're talking about the movies. Um, also songs. I mean, songs, this is in high schools when I started listening to non-Christian music up until that point, I was pretty sheltered. So starting to hear songs about, and I, there's a lot of romantic songs that are pretty toxic. I'm trying to remember, I'd walk a thousand miles if I could just see you tonight. I remember that one came out when I was in high school, I think. And, um, Ah, there, there was a couple others I have to remember, but yeah, it was interesting listening to songs, starting to hang out with people outside of my, really my core family and church group, my homeschool group, um, how much I started to become influenced. And one influence that I loved was I had a group of homeschoolers that I did a couple classes with writing class with, and they are all going to college and all thinking about college and focused on college. And as me, the oldest in my family, I didn't even really understand what college was or what was happening. So like there's positive things as well, but you're, you don't realize when you're 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, I could probably keep going, but you don't realize how much your, your friends are influencing you. And they are. They're influencing you so much. And it's easy to grow up, grow up, quote, grow up, right? get older, to get older and more mature and realize like, oh man, my friends really influenced me or the music I was listening to really influenced me. I remember when I, when those girls betrayed me and they were like the most one, 
the other best friend, the one that received the letter was probably the most popular girl at church. So because they, they, the two of them stopped talking to me and kind of all the girls stopped talking to me and they didn't want anything to do with me because I was a flirt and a sports, whatever, whatever the reasons were, (laughs) I don't know what it was. Um, I don't think I have that letter anymore, but I might, (laughs) it's possible. I don't think so though. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of just became friends with this dude who didn't, he went to our church, but he was in public school. He was like one of the few kids that went to public school and he was just like, yeah, this is high school drama. I'll be your friend. And he started hanging out with me. And eventually we started dating and I wasn't allowed to date. So this is kind of when my rebellion quote started because, um, you know, I started to think, oh man, I'm a, I'm a black sheep. I'm like the black sheep or I'm not a good person because I want to date my boyfriend and I'm not allowed to. And I remember during this time, you know, I wasn't supposed to be hanging out with him, but I did have a car and I did have a phone. And so I started sneaking out probably like 17. I would, I think I was around 17. Uh, and I would listen to the Eminem song. Like, I remember this is a very vivid memory. I'm I snuck out of my parents' house, right? Got in my car, started the car. My nerves are like, all right, I'm going to drive away. And um, (laughs) I turn on the radio, I turn it up and it's, you better lose yourself in the music the moment you want it. You better never let it go. You only get one shot. Do not miss your chance to blow. This opportunity knocks once in a lifetime. And I'm singing at the top of my lungs, like, this is my chance. This is my only moment. And the music was so influential, like in reinforcing, like, this is my one chance. I need to sneak out tonight or whatever. And it was just, it's so interesting to look back and see how much friends and music influenced me. I wasn't allowed to go to the high school prom, which was very devastating to me because there was a homeschool prom, homeschool high school prom, and I couldn't go. And I have always loved dancing. I always wanted to dance. I danced as a little girl, anything that looked like elevated like maybe it could be a stage. I would get up and dance and sing for whoever was around. Like that's just me as a, you know, four, five, six-year-old. My parents were like, no, dancing leads to sex or whatever. So I wasn't allowed to go to dances. And then eventually with this boyfriend, you know, I think we dated for a year and eventually, you know, I explored my sexuality with him and I started to feel a lot of shame and guilt around it, you know, and I remember when I, I, we finally did actually sleep together, have sex, and we both lost our virginity. I remember driving away feeling so empty. I felt so sad. There was like this huge thing, like you're a virgin and you're not supposed to lose your virginity, which we can get into the terminology of that stuff later, but that was so hard for me to feel all of a sudden separated from the divine, separated from God, separated from my, from my source of love and light, separated from spirituality. I mean, it was, it was hard. And it also was not as, you know, good or awesome as other people said it was like sex was just like, it just, it felt empty. It felt sad. And, you know, a lot of my friends were all having sex in high school and 
I wanted to be cool. So I wanted to do what they were doing. And then again, friends influence, right? So my relationship with the divine became full of guilt, shame, feeling inadequate, not enough. Um, so that's, you know, I think a pretty normal, pretty, hopefully there's some things in this story that resonate with you or that you're like, oh yeah, I had the girls turn on me or I remember, and I'd like you to think back to, or if you're in high school now thinking about what songs do you listen to and what are their messages? Like, what are they saying to you? Or if you're, you know, over the age of 25, like looking back and thinking about, well, what songs was I listening to high school and what did they influence in my behavior? It's really interesting to think back. So I invite you to think about your friends, the movies, the songs, the subliminal messaging, because we are the coolest humanoids. We are so interesting. We're like this canvas uh, that gets stuff gets impressioned on. And then we react to those things and then like re share them. Basically, it's just a fascinating thing. And we can start over every day. We can wipe the slate clean constantly and start to create new influences and new messages. And it's kind of fascinating. So, you know, even for me as an adult, like I don't listen to too much rock music or too much metal or, you know, and I like all genres, um, even country, like certain music. I know that if I listen to it, I'll start to think a certain way. And because I'm aware of that influence, I don't, I don't choose to listen to a lot of that stuff. I mostly listen to really positive lyrics, uh, instrumental music, positive. So instrumental music is great because your imagination can run wild, but positive lyrics, about love and light and, you know, having abundance and being um, enough or whatever the, whatever the theme would be for you that's positive, but just really avoiding toxic um, music because it does, it influences you whether you're aware of it or not. Uh, it's kind of like you are a creator you are creating your reality, whether you are aware of it or not. So bringing that awareness is really helpful. Anyway, I hope this was a fun episode for you to listen to, get a little insight into my high school time. And hopefully it allowed you to really reflect and think about what music, movies, friends influence you now, currently, and maybe even in the past and how that shaped you as a person or is shaping you currently. So I love you and I will see you in the next episode. Thank you for listening. I'd also like to thank my mentors and teachers who have helped me to find my voice and myself along the way of life's journey. If you enjoyed this episode, I would greatly appreciate you subscribing sharing it, and possibly writing me a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. You can find me on Facebook at Free Spirit Creatrix. That's the name of my page. Or on Instagram, which is EverFreeSpirit. My website is Neve Grace. That's N-E-V-E-G-R-A-C-E.com. Neve Grace. And I look forward to connecting with you soon. It looks like our time has come to an end. So until we meet again